Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. What in the world is your worldview? Welcome to this first episode of Transforming Worldviews. This is one of my most favorite topics. It is just fascinating to me to work through and look at the worldviews that people have because those worldviews tend to magnify and impact and direct the way we live more than perhaps much else. And so in this series, we're going to look at different worldviews from different directions, and it's going to be an exciting journey. As we begin this journey here in episode one, I want you to think about a man who is looking out his window, out of the living room window in his home, and he's thinking about, you know, we ought to go outside and get some exercise. So he yells to his wife, who's at the other side of the house, in the kitchen, and she, he says to her, uh, dear, it's a beautiful day outside, why don't we change our clothes and get outside and get some exercise? And she looks out the kitchen window and she says yeah I think that'd be a great idea I'll just finish up here you go change your clothes and go on outside and I will uh, finish up and then change my clothes and I'll meet you outside and we'll get some exercise when they met outside they discovered they were dressed very differently why because as he looked out the living room window, he saw the tennis courts across the road. But when she looked out the kitchen window, she saw the swimming pool in the backyard. You see, the window through which you see life has an enormous impact on your behavior toward life. So, how is it that you look at the world? For example, if you were in Sydney, Australia, and you flush the toilet, which way would the water go down? Clockwise or counterclockwise? Many years ago, my wife and I traveled to Australia. Actually, we lived there for 18 months. And before I left, I talked to someone from Australia, and he said, well, when you get there, just recognize the water goes down the toilet the opposite direction. I couldn't figure out whether he was just being funny, trying to pull a prank on me, or what that could possibly mean. So, before I left, I noticed that the water in North America goes down the toilet clockwise. And when we arrived in Sydney and we got off the airplane, I went into the men's room at the airport. And even though I didn't have to go to the bathroom, I just went to a toilet and flushed. And to my amazement, the water goes down the toilet counterclockwise. Why? Well, it's a phenomenon called Coriolis. It is the spin of the earth. And if you can imagine this ball in space called earth spinning around and around, 
that's why there's any motion at all when water goes down. Uh, at the top of that ball, it would be one direction. Actually, there is no top. That's a bad world view of North Americans and people in the Northern Hemisphere. At one end of that ball, it goes one direction, and at the other end, it goes the other direction as it spins. And yes, in case you're a really fast thinker, when you're on the equator, it pretty much goes straight down. Isn't that amazing? Now, maybe you knew that before, or maybe I just introduced to you a whole new worldview about toilet water. <laughs> Not real important, but it does show the power of readjusting your thoughts by the way you look at things. If you were in Cape Town, South Africa, one of my favorite cities in the world, been there many times, if you were to go out at night on the beach where it's dark, away from the city lights, and you were to look into the sky, in what quadrant of the sky would you find the Big Dipper? Would it be in the northwest, or the northeast, or the southwest, or the southeast? What do you think? The Big Dipper, one of the most uh, dramatic constellations in the sky. Well, the answer is, there is no Big Dipper in the sky in the Southern Hemisphere. And in fact, if you've never been in the Southern Hemisphere, you will never have seen the most prominent constellation of those in the Southern Hemisphere. What they see is called the Southern Cross. And yes, if you are on the equator, I've done this in the jungles of uh, Brazil. When you're on the equator, you can look very far to the north, and right on the edge of the horizon, you can see the Big Dipper, and you can look to the south at the very end of the horizon and see the Southern Cross. Did that change your worldview? Not a big deal, but kind of interesting, isn't it? Think about this. Do people in Hong Kong drive on the right side of the road or the wrong side of the road? And the answer is, there is no wrong side of the road. There is just a different side of the road. And yes, they are on left-hand drive. So, what often occurs in our world is we have conflicts with one another because we have different worldviews. Now, this series of worldview episodes is not just about <laughs> toilets and skies and where do you drive on the road. It's about biblical worldviews and how not everybody, even in the same church, has the same biblical worldviews. And biblical worldviews dramatically shape and change the way individuals see the world and understand the way the world works. And so, what's really interesting is your personal effectiveness for the cause of Christ, your effectiveness for God's work, more than anything else, depends 
on whether you have a biblical worldview. As someone once said, poor eyes limit how far you can see, but poor vision limits how far you can go and what you can accomplish. Well, what is a worldview? The way you understand the world and the way the world works. It's that simple. Just the way you understand your world and the way the world works. As a Christian, that is greatly augmented. But the truth is, you have these invisible glasses. Whether you wear glasses or contacts or not, everyone has this lens, these invisible glasses, through which you see life and the world around you. And that lens shapes, reshapes, distorts, or clarifies everything that you look at. It's an amazing thought. Because people disagree, and they argue, and they fight, and all sorts of bad things can happen, when in reality, they just have different worldviews. And they can never really get to solving their challenges because they don't get to the issue behind the issue about their worldview. And when you become a Christian, you have a prescription correction of your lenses. And the more you learn about God, the more that correction puts you more in line with the Creator and the way that your Creator wanted you to see all that happens in your life and everything about our world. And that's called a biblical worldview. Now, I don't know about you, but I've read through the entire Bible maybe five, six, seven times and uh, in different translations over the years. And every time I read my Bible, I learn something new. And at first I thought, well, I must be really not very intelligent or... I must be a really slow learner or something. How does that work? Why would, how could I possibly read the same Bible, even the same translation, a second time and see new things and understand more meaning or different meaning or better focused meaning? How, how does that happen? Well, you know, every time you read the Bible, every time you open that great book of God's wisdom, you're a different person than the last time you opened that book, whether it's a day later or 10 years later. And hopefully you're a person who's growing in faith, growing in Christ, growing in Scripture, growing in understanding God's will and perspective for your life. And also, you are faced with different challenges every time you open that great book, every time you read those wonderful verses. And so as that occurs, because you're dealing with different issues, your lens is impacted and you learn, what, more? You go, what, deeper? You get different nuances of this amazing treasure chest called the Holy Scriptures. And that's exactly how it works. And so every time you, you approach God's Word, 
you do so with different challenges, different joys, different experiences. And so your lens is enriched every single time. And therefore, absolutely it makes sense that we should be reading the scripture every day of our lives, year after year, and forever, as long as we live. You know, depending on your lens, you may sing things different from others in your church. Now, that makes a lot of sense when you think about this lens correction every time you enter God's Word, every time you grow through a Bible study, through hearing a sermon, listening to a message. And so that tweaks your worldview a little bit and a little bit. And, of course, everybody's at a different level. So, understandably, we, even in the church, don't always see things the same. Like parents have a different understanding of paying off the mortgage than their three-year-old and their five-year-old. That's because they have a different lens. That's because they've been down a different road. They've had different experiences. Now, Conrad Adenauer once said, we all live under the same sky, but we don't all have the same horizon. And that is so very true. And so, there's a challenge. How do, uh, how do you live? Uh, are you a person who's constantly reading God's Word every day? Are you moving on to new translations? Uh, are, you, are you looking uh, every time uh, the, the, a new translation comes out? You see, language is alive. Language is not dead. It's alive. And it's always changing with nuances. And that's true in any language and in any culture. It is always growing and changing and adding and, 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 and moving in one direction or another. So have you ever been asked, well, what's your favorite translation of the Bible? I have that asked a lot of me because I often quote from the latest, newest, translation of the Bible. And the answer that I give to people is, you want to know what my favorite translation of the Bible is? The next one. Because language is always changing. Now, what happens is that presuppositions, things that we pre-decide about things, the way we are nuanced as we look at things, Presuppositions can result from a lack of knowledge. We can be biblically illiterate about one area or another of our faith. Uh, everybody, including myself, everybody should understand that. You know God. You see God. But when you know God more, you see God more. You see yourself differently. You see your world differently. I heard a great story about how you can see your world differently. It's about a man who was driving down the road one day, and it was pouring rain, and, and so he picked up a hitchhiker. And the man got into the car, and he was not very well dressed. And the guy, as he was driving, 
notice, looking down, that the man had on only one shoe. He's only wearing one shoe. And finally, the driver couldn't stand it anymore. He just asked the guy, Hey, what happened to your other shoe? And the man replied, I only found one. You see, human nature is such that we often focus on the negative. What happened to your other shoe, man? Rather than the positive. Oh, I only found one. And we tend to look at the worst rather than the best. And everybody's different on this scale, but we're all somewhere on that continuum from best to worst. The more we grow in Christ, the better we get at looking at the best of things, looking at the opportunities rather than the challenges, looking for opportunities even in the challenges. So the way you see your world has a tremendous impact that drives your behavior. And you know, God tells us this. If you look at Matthew 3.18, and you'll be looking at the words of John the Baptist, where he says in Matthew 3.8, do things that prove you have turned to God and have changed the way you think and, therefore, act. See, the way you think impacts the way you act. That's out of a translation of the Bible called God's Word. Now, Romans 12:2, out of the version called The Message, Romans 12:2 says, Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. In Romans 12, Verse 2, Paul is addressing a group of Christians, young Christians. I mean, at that time, everybody was a new young Christian. There weren't centuries of Christianity then. When Paul wrote that letter to those Christians in Rome, you got to remember, these folks were living within one of the most pagan societies, pagan cultures that you could ever imagine. I mean, you know a little bit about the Romans and the orgies they had and, and how, well, they entertained themselves having gladiators kill each other and uh, feeding uh, Christians to the lions uh, and, uh, well, just a whole lot of other drunkenness and, and debauchery and all sorts of kind of things. Well, those Christians were in a culture that was constantly trying to impact their lens tremendous challenge. But that challenge is still with us today. In every culture, there are terrible people. There are people that break laws. There are people who have different worldviews. There are people who have worldviews that have no impact from God. They have no influence from the scripture. And you live in that world and you live among those people. Now, whether your attitude is positive or negative about those people depends on your worldview. 
if you have a biblical worldview, you love the unlovable because that's what God teaches. If you have a biblical worldview, you want to make an impact on those people. You know that you are an ambassador for Christ. You are one who God has put here to make an impact on those people. And you're not going to make a very good impact on those people. It will not be productive if you have a worldview that they are, what, somehow less than you are? Somehow losers when it comes to spirituality? Somehow so different they scare you? I'm just amazed like when Jesus would touch the lepers and heal them. You know how forbidden that was in that culture? People had the very, very clear notion that, that if you touch those people, you'd get what they got, and that meant absolute for sure you were going to die. And so they were shunned. They were pushed out of town. The same is true with people of, of different skin color, different cultures. The same is true of political parties and they don't get along with each other and they can't really work together and they can't really come to some conclusions they're deadlocked because of the party differences but a biblical worldview looks at the values and those things we have in common and problem solving not letting petty differences interrupt us and so a biblical worldview has an enormous impact on people so let's just take our nation where we have horrendous things taking place not only gridlock in the nation's capital but crime horrible crimes people who walk up and just because a person is a police officer shoots and kills the police officer while they're having lunch. What kind of a person is that? Who could do such a thing? It's a person with a different worldview. And in most cases, those worldviews do not really mesh with Scripture. Uh, we have different worldviews about what kind of people marry one another or should live together with one another or have intimate relationships with one another. We have different worldviews about abortion, whether it's a woman's right to their health or whether it's a human being that we're putting to death. We have serious, serious worldview divisions. One of the greatest challenges is we do not approach these issues from the dimension of worldview. We just fight with each other about the symptoms, about whatever it is we're arguing about. What we need to do and what God calls us to do is dig to the deeper issues, which, of course, leads to this issue. How are you with the Scripture? 
You know, for many years, several decades now, I've been working with churches as a consultant, and our team of consultants at Church Doctor do that. And, you know, there are a lot of types of consultants in the world that work with churches. And there are all sorts of them that will give you a program or an activity or whatever. But that's like doctors who give the same kind of pills to whatever your ills. I don't mean to be cruel or, or nasty about it. I'm just saying that unless you dig down to the deeper issues, then you're not really helping churches. And the issue behind the issue and the issues behind all the issues are biblical worldviews. Now, that's a lot to say, I understand, but it's true. When you look at the disagreements that Christians have in a church, the issue behind the issue is, what does the Bible say? Even in denominations that are horribly divided with one another these days on issues, everyone is speaking their opinion Everyone is talking to their side of the answer that they perceive as right. But no one is saying, but this is what the Bible says. You know, when we do a church governance consultation, one of the things we do is when you govern your church, when your leaders get together, don't ever have votes. Votes are not in the Bible. I mean, read through the epistles in the New Testament. How many times did Paul write to a church, whether it be at Galatia or in Rome or in Corinth or anywhere, and say, you know, you guys have some divisions about a few things. Why don't you get everybody together and take a vote and have the majority figured out? They'll win and they'll tell the others. Because as soon as you have votes, there's a winner and a loser. But in God's kingdom, there are no losers. Are there? Well, there shouldn't be. When God's kingdom is proper, what we do is we look at Scripture. So when we do a church consultation on the governance side, when we do that, we tell them, no, you, you never take a vote. When you have a decision, you have the most biblically oriented people, the people that are in their Bible all the time the people that have years of Bible study behind them, and they have a lifestyle of being in the Word, those are the people that are the people that should lead God's church because they know God's Word. And then those people should discuss and pray. And what if they can't come to a unanimous decision? Then they table it and discuss and pray another time. They table it and look at the Scripture. You know, I've been in all kinds of uh, leadership meetings in churches, and there isn't a Bible in the room. Or if there is, it's on a shelf there because somebody else meets there at a different time. But no one's there with a Bible for the meeting. No, they have an agenda. Oh, yes, and they have their constitution. And oh, yes, they have all their bylaws. And what a bunch of stuff is that? That's not anything about God. We have drifted so far from seeking the biblical worldview. And you know what we tell people? Don't make any decision about your church if those key leaders are not unanimous about it. You go back and study the issue again. You table it. You just wait. You wait on the Lord, and you look into His Scripture, and then you figure it out whether it takes 
two meetings or 20 years. And so you can see how a biblical worldview can be so important. So as we continue in this series, we're going to look at a number of key biblical worldviews. Not all the worldviews that are in Scripture. That would take us maybe years. But some of the most common that divide us or help us, depending upon we're using them. So we're going to look at 10 biblical worldviews, 10 windows on your world that drive your behavior and the behavior of those in your church. And we're even going to report some research about what percentage of the people in the church operate from a biblical worldview. I just want to mention that if you're interested in this or having a greater discussion at your church with this, these worldviews and material behind each of them are in a book that I wrote several years ago, and that book is called Discover Your Windows, Lining Up with God's Vision, published by Abingdon Press. Many churches have used it. Many sermons over 10 weeks have looked at the 10 windows. Some churches have gone through a whole uh, process of looking at worldviews. And you know what? It's greatly helpful to people. Oh, that's not a commercial. I'm just saying that you shouldn't be surprised because these worldviews are at the center of God's will. Until next time, we'll come back and look at these biblical worldviews in episode two. God bless. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.